The Widow and the Wardrobe. I'm Caleb Bridge. I'm Sarah Burrow. And I'm PG Bell. Merry Christmas from all of us at Impossible Podcasts. Here we are, and it's Christmas once again. And is it the Christmasiest Christmas ever? Or has this been uh, more disappointing than a uh, cracker where it doesn't bang and you just get a rubbish little bit of plastic and uh, a hat that falls apart the moment you put it on to your head, uh, which is very <laughs> disappointing. That, that turned into the longest analogy ever. Um, <laughs> it, was, it just happened. But, but wonderful. Extended uh, metaphors yes. for the uh, win. Right. Uh, it, I think it was somewhere between the two, to be honest. It wasn't as Christmassy as last year's, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a point that, that you're going to be making as we go on, Caleb. It, I don't think it uh, stuck as closely to the source material um, as we were perhaps led to believe. But um, it was fine. It set up an awful lot of good ideas that I think it failed to capitalise on. But some of those, a lot of those ideas were very good indeed. Mm-hmm. So I, I will give this one a pass. It was a bit thin. But, um, yeah, entertaining. I quite liked it. I quite enjoyed it. I didn't feel Christmas was quite as forced as some of the other Christmas specials. Christmas mm. actually fit in the storyline rather than just throwing some Christmas trimmings at a uh, an existing storyline. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. It was a bit predictable in places, um, a little bit illogical um, <laughs> in others, which I suppose is nothing yeah. new. But I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, if 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 you didn't realise that by the end of the episode they'd be happily reunited with ah, your yes. father, you really weren't paying attention. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, How about you, Gavin? What did you think? Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, but not not quite as much as I hoped to. Just because. Um, I'm a massive Narnia fan, so the idea of uh, a Doctor Who combination of Doctor Who and uh, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, uh, that's the kind of thing that uh, really tickled my fancy and I was uh, had high hopes of it, especially since uh, Doctor Who magazine did a comic strip um, uh, playing off um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe last year, which was uh, really good. It was. It's one of my favourite Doctor Who magazine uh, stri- uh, strips ever. It's. It was just a really nice, really sweet, really clever um, blending of um, elements of the Narnia stories with uh, Doctor Who um, stories, and just did that really well. And uh, yeah, and this just didn't quite have that magical sparkle that I thought it could have done. It was fun, it was entertaining, um, and I did find it quite t- uh, touching. Happy tears indeed, but there was there was something not quite hitting the notes it could have done. Um, yeah, and I think that if it's entertaining, um, and I did find it quite t- uh, touching happy tears indeed but there was there was something not quite hitting the notes it could have done 
Um, yeah, and I think that if it had have capitalised more on the idea of fairy tale, which is so much a part of the Narnia stories, if you'd actually had... Um, mystical, uh, yeah. mystical in that respect. I, I think it's fair to say that it was it was missold in terms of the trailer uh, and the title particularly, because mm-hmm. it really didn't have anything much to do with Narnia at all, other than the, yeah. that, that one you know, the motif of the, the doorway into the forest. Yeah, so... It, it, it had it had its moments, but I, it wasn't quite what I was um, hoping for. And yeah, just lacked a little bit of extra sparkle. So uh, fun, enjoyable, uh, another good uh, thing. And I did like how it fitted with uh, the the Doctor's character and uh, his ongoing um, arc in terms of coming off the back of the last series and being a bit more low-key in terms of what he's trying to do, mm. but also uh, realising that he, um, he he shouldn't be alone again. And I thought it fitted in with that quite nicely. Shall we get started on the commentary? By all means. Sounds good. If you're listening along at home, press play now. So we begin in space with a very, very Star Wars. Oh, it couldn't be more Star Wars if they tried, could it? Um, Well, it could also be shaped like a huge piece of cheese. But but nicely done, because this is a a very cool looking spaceship. Mm. This is very sci fi. Uh, Although it does raise one question. I mean, there's all these little spinny bits and all the guns and things getting ready to fire. It's, It's a very nicely detailed. They're also really small guns, though. I'm not quite so sure what they're going to shoot. Whether it, it's it, space. It, yeah, it's just one <laughs> ship all by itself. You'd have to get really close for those guns to hit you. But there we go. But Unless they're lasers. Yeah, they're, they're special planet-destroying oh, of weapons, course. I assume. <laughs> Running down corridors and things blowing up. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but presumably, this is they're in orbit around Earth in 1930, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody on Earth appears to have noticed no. this this ship <laughs> at all. This is the main illogical bit. This is also oh, the Doctor can breathe in space. I d- yeah, I didn't get this bit. Well, he has been shown to do that before. Peter Davison's I was gonna space say, walk in was yeah. it before to Doomsday? Oh, the one where he's playing cricket outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is ridiculous. Bit is ridiculous with precedent. Okay, know. good. Well, as long as there's precedent for the ridiculousness. I'll let it go. Although he does seem to need the suit, but that might be more to do with the. Um... No, we're, we're watching a um, unfinished preview edit thing of this. So this is we're watching this particular scene to the tune of Pirates of the Caribbean, which works remarkably well. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we should start a, a sort of a draft of famous movie music we'd like to see. Superimposed on Doctor uh, Who episodes. <laughs> Another slightly ridiculous point: he's meant to have put that spacesuit on in midair while falling, plummeting. To well, Earth. They, they do they do riff on that later on once he's crash landed. Well, yeah, it's purely for that line, isn't it? Yes, it's purely for the line. I got dressed in a hurry. But if you want a big, silly, splashy, fun yeah. pre-credit sequence. Um, no. It, 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 hits, it hits all the right notes, it's nicely done. And the prequel, um, which um, mm. 
was set just before that with the Doctor on the phone to Amy was really nice. Yes. And also links in nicely to the end of the episode (laughs) when, um, surprise, surprise, (laughs) Amy and Rory... I like the bit where she falls in the tree. So here we have uh, Claire Skinner, um, her off of Outnumbered. Um, Yes, which is... And she's terrific in that. Mm -hmm. Forever seems to play uh, the Hesped mum. Mm-hmm. Yep. Would something that small make a crater that big? Well, if it's travelling at speed. Mm. Possibly. I think he was flailing at speed. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder if this isn't a reference to something as well. I'm sure there's something I've seen Um, in a dim and distant past in which... uh, In which someone is found in a spacesuit yeah. in a crater in the middle of a field or in the middle of the desert. He got dressed in a hurry. There we go. <laughs> He's got his spacesuit suit on backwards. Yeah, it's been played for laughs again yeah. straight away, isn't it? Somewhat predictable one-liners. Uh, you mentioned in your uh, preview on the blog, Caleb, uh, about the, the strength of the casting for the two children. Mm. Uh, they are both very good, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I'm a little confused that uh, the boy's love of astronomy isn't picked up on later on because mm. you get the impression that that's going to be significant mm. at some point or in some fashion. I like this bit. Oh, his father comes in. Yes. Yes, of course, Mr. Armstrong. Of Armstrong. Of course. One half of Armstrong and Miller, the uh, comedy duo. And also the voice of Mr. Smith. Indeed. Yes, of course. Not in, if, the, not in this episode very much, really. No, but if, if, if nothing else tips you off to the fact that he isn't going to stay dead, it's the fact that they've cast this man yeah. <laughs> in the role that you don't you don't cast him for just two minutes mm. in the opening the, these, sessions. The spacesuit is very knight in armour-esque. Yeah. That's true, I haven't considered that. So I assume this is the reason why he needed the spacesuit was that it's got some sort of yes, yeah, it's healing it's to, to protect him from the fall and it will put him back together. Yeah, that's a very wobbly lamppost. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously I don't mean, make them that easy. That, that lamppost obviously being very oh, significant. Yes, in, that's true. Um, I haven't picked the up line, on the that. witch in the wardrobe. The witch in the wardrobe. Yeah. Ah. This was this was filmed up in Rubina, by the way. Oh, yeah. uh, I was at a Christmas party with someone who lives in one of those houses at the beginning of the week. I saw this being filmed. It's a lovely looking spot. Mm. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to see the Doctor completely out of his depth and completely clueless. Mm. And uh, I'm bumbling around. I like to slide later on, hold on tight and pretend it's a plan. Pretend it's a plan, yeah, that's yes. What I always do. And she's ob- and is is this is is really drawing on Moffat's comedy roots, isn't it? Because Madge is clearly as clueless as the doctor, but in a slightly different way. Mm. Uh, we know that she can't drive. But she's swallowed his story whole, you know, she hasn't questioned it at all. Yeah. She's quite trusting, she's obviously but it's, it's the line that he character. says now, isn't it, that been 
taking home strays. So it's mm. obviously something she does regularly. Yes. <laughs> is find random people. See, before watching this, I wondered whether or not he was go- the husband was going to end up as one of the Spitfire pilots who went into space and fought the Daleks. Uh, no, it's a Lancaster bomber. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I actually couldn't recognise yes. that plane on sight. <laughs> I'm aware this is my father's yeah. influence. Um, <laughs> Perhaps you should fill us in on a little bit of the background of this. So you are, you are sort of military history geek. <laughs> I'm not. Really, I'm not. I'm By just proxy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm the child of a um, You've got the modern history, history graduate uh, no I just know it's a Lancaster bomber um, my parents are from Lancaster so I have seen a few Lancaster bombers although interestingly this is evidently a CG CGI um, Lancaster bomber mm. and the one at the end of it I imagine is a real one um, be, because it looks it's completely different it's a reconditioned one at the end um, which I have seen this one is a much more battered one these flying through the sky and I'm sure my dad will be very proud that I can recognise a Lancaster bomber <laughs> And so, here we have, ooh dear, it's very sad already. Christmas around. telegram telling her that. Uh... So I assume the idea is that he um, loses his way, strays into enemy airspace, and well, loses lose, lose his way, yes, or or just ditches. Well, it says that he's he dies oh, from enemy, enemy action. Enemy action yeah. So I imagine he loses his way so much that he ends up in uh, German but, but, airspace. But, but the plane had already been shot up quite badly. Yeah, but it was functioning, wasn't it? Only just, though, because the propeller Mm. was starting to give away. The daughter. Yeah. Am I right in thinking... Racially, she seems to be of not quite the same stock. She has Mm. a sort of Mediterranean look to her. It did occur to me that she didn't quite look like the daughter of that particular couple. I mean, she's very good in the part. But oh, yeah, she's mm. very, very, very strong actress indeed. But she yeah, me so of Susan <laughs> of um, in the Narnia. Narnia, films. thank you. Yeah. So we've already set up, and fair play to Moffat, economy of storytelling. Mm. Um, he's he's done remarkably well. Um, if you think we've had exploding spaceships. Crash landing spacemen, disappearing police boxes, setting up the family dynamic, and having the father lost. Mm. Um, and there's this nice the sequence channel. in the house, in all the different rooms, isn't there? And we're, we're barely ten minutes in, but we've already set up the main dramatic hook in that the mother knows what's happened to mm. the father, and the kids don't. don't yeah. mm. And here, this is where we really get into um, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe territory with, um, because in that, of course, you have the four children who are evacuated to a house in the country. um, However, it is convenient that the mother is evacuated too. Yes. Storyline doesn't seem entirely... Yeah, I know they've said that they've been evacuated, but well, they appear to be just they're on holiday. Yeah, it, they don't seem to have been evacuated. It seems to be more, mm. we've gone off to uh, uh, Uncle, um, what was it? Uh, it? It wasn't Diggory, it was something that sounds like it, because yeah. um, in the, uh, the Narnia books it's Professor Diggory Kirk um. who um, says... Um, <laughs> dancing chairs. Which is a bit... Um, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it is. Yes. I love this. It yeah, is. This is great. <laughs> lemonade, the lemonade tap. tap. Brilliant. 
See, this is one of these fantastic ideas. It's just, it's full of jokes and little riffs and throwaway lines. But the idea of going to a house that's been doctored, (laughs) and it it is like walking into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, isn't it? And everything's a bit magical, and it's it's turned into this glorious fun house. Um, And I'm just, this one of the reasons I'm slightly disappointed with the episode overall. they don't spend more time there. Yes. The forest is not as interesting as the house. It's just the big kidding you, Pete. I know. Oh, absolutely. That's <laughs> that exactly really what it's designed to appeal to. I mean, who wouldn't wouldn't want a room like that? <laughs> and it's playing to Matt Smith's strengths as well, the slightly... Manic. Barmy, yeah, yeah, manic. He's barely in control of himself, but he's having a terrific time. He's obviously got too much time on his hands without companions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought... Need someone to show off to. The Magna Carta, well, that's in the yes. exactly. <laughs> you suspect it might actually be the Magna Carta. Yeah, probably. And the Spitfires on the wall. Yes. Painted blue for some bizarre reason. <laughs> um, oh, I do want hammocks. And the hammocks that he completely manages to uh, miss when jumping. Faulty <laughs> <laughs> hammock. Oh. It's brilliant. I do sympathise with Madge at this point because that's a campy a bit OTT. Yeah. But this is the um, the cracks we need to show, isn't it? Of mm. She can't yeah. truly be happy because she's aware that her husband is dead currently. But again, I think splitting the family up and having her separated from the kids means that Moffat isn't able to really capitalise on that to the same extent. I know that the doctor mm. knows the truth. And I think she just comes out and tells him a little too readily. But, uh, yes. Cause the, dr- when the dramatic tension is when the mother is there in the room with the kids and mm. she knows she can't tell them. And this is one of the big differences from the Narnia um, books is that uh, that's very firmly told from the perspective of the children, mm. whereas this is essentially, it's got child characters in it, but for the most part it's mainly told through Madge's eyes. Yes. Yeah. It's Madge's show, isn't it, this, yeah. this whole thing? Well, that's it. That's it. I, I think it loses its focus a little as it goes on, because yes, mm. Madge certainly, and, and to begin with, is very firmly established as our our gateway, our point of view character and the story is effectively yeah. hers but then you get to the house and as I said it's, it's this wonderful sort of childlike fantasy fun house and of course you then the two, the Cyril, two, the two you? children yeah you have Cyril and you have the doctor and what's, sorry, what's the daughter's name? Uh, Lily Lily mm. thank you not Lucy <laughs> Lily, <laughs> Lily. Oh, but, um, sounds familiar but then it's focused on them and they carry most of the adventure and then Madge is just sort of trailing along behind but I think that her, her story be. becomes the B plot. Yeah, mm. it had to be like that though, because otherwise you wouldn't, you wouldn't have her wandering in the box. That's um, the thing, isn't it? it? Is that you had to take I, it to the smaller child? I wonder if a better idea wouldn't have been to have the forest come to the house rather mm. than have them leave the house and spend half the episode tracing through the forest. That's a cool Christmas tree. That is. That's the best Christmas mm. tree so far in the Christmas episodes. I this this is our. Well, our fourth Christmas special this month, and that is definitely the coolest yeah, tree. That is the coolest tree. <laughs> you know that's going to end up in the Doctor Who experience. Quite ridiculous. The other problem with splitting the children up in the forest is that their relationship isn't really built on particularly either. Mm. 
Yes, because in the line direction of Orchope you have the four children, so you're able to split them up while still having mm-hmm. interaction between the remaining ones. Mm-hmm. So Edmund goes off on his own. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Lily is basically there to ask the Doctor questions so he can mm-hmm. explain the plot. Which is the traditional is... companion. Well, I know, I know it's a traditional companion, but it's not. The traditional companion dynamic was never known for its depth or strength of drama. She does have a slightly Susan-esque pointing out the obvious line as well. The train looks like Hogwarts Express. <laughs> Maybe it is. It might be. Oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to open your presents here. It is North glowing Coast. in a yeah. very tempting yes. way. And whispering... I think it's about. She's very definitely awake, yet fails to hear this next bit where they all run round um, the house and the doctor mm. runs into the box. Yeah, she can hear the doctor's sonic screwdriver, but she can't hear her, all, mm. yeah, her own children. Her own children moving. I know they're trying to move quietly, but at, at one point when Cyril's gone in them and the two of them go to find him, he actually shouts, but it takes mm. her another like 10 minutes before he gets there. The suit of armour. Which. There is also a suit of armour in the house in the Lion Lurch and the Warfare. Yeah. And there's of torches in this in this episode. Because the the big the big connection um in terms of Narnia and Doctor Who is the whole idea of a everyday object that's bigger on the inside mm. than the out that yeah. proves to be the portal to other worlds. Mm. So you've got the magic wardrobe and and you've got the TARDIS, and they're very much um, second cousins. <laughs> well, that, that does make the whole present thing a little bit redundant, really. Mm. You already have a magical portal to anywhere in yeah. space and time. Do you really need another one? Uh, of course, he refers now to the phone boxes as wardrobe, but the wardrobe isn't the portal they use. Yeah. No. They use the Which box. Is, again, it, it does make the title of the episode feel a little bit forced. Mm. Because there is no wardrobe ever. Because he could have had the, the rig to the TARDIS to set up this Christmas present, couldn't he? Well, I assume he has, assume. and that's that's what all those wires and cables trailing mm. out the door are for. Ooh, yeah. what's... It's snow! The little snowflakes plastering themselves to the camera is a nice touch. Mm. <laughs> He's got very cute make your eyes big glasses. Yes, coat bottle, milk bottle bottom glasses. This looks familiar. Do we know, was this actually, were the forest scenes filmed indoors or outdoors? I'm not sure. I'll have to keep an eye open and see if we ever actually see the the sky. I, I suspect it's all on a big soundstage somewhere. Mm, I mm. assume so. Because they do the whole stars raising up, don't they? Mm. Another strength of this episode is that... Uh, Moffat clearly understands that Matt Smith works very well with kids. Mm. Mm. 
you stick you stick uh, the eleventh Doctor with anyone under the age of about fourteen, and yeah, you can just riff off them brilliantly. Mm. He's sort of a favourite uncle. Yeah, isn't he? He's um, he's not quite responsible enough to be a parent-like figure. Mm. Um, he's much more of that, you know, slightly reckless. Um, yes, completely. Am I alone in thinking that young Amelia Pond is actually slightly more interesting than Amy? <laughs> <laughs> I would much Could prefer him to, to go travelling. I imagine that. that James would disagree. <laughs> I, th- this uh, reminded me a little bit of a bit in um, Perilandra, one of C.S. Lewis's science fiction novels, because in that you have this bubble fruit that grows on trees. I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure it's accidental and it was just Christmas tree decorations that uh, Moffat had in mind, but it is a nice little uh, echo nonetheless. It is a very nice visual, just that box coming out in the forest. Yes, that's true. Little footsteps. Footprints. This essentially be a twig, apparently. <laughs> Something was hatched. The beginnings of a highly convoluted plan are afoot. Mm. <laughs> highly convoluted. None of the, the aliens in Doctor Who ever have simple plans, do they? Ah, <laughs> uh, teddy bears. I would be quite happy to see. Matt Smith adopt a child or or a young teenager mm. as a companion full time. Mm. You would need somebody else in there as well. Yeah, an, an older mm. figure, yeah, more adventurous, sort of Captain Jack River Song style mm. character, just to even up the balance a bit. But Matt Smith works fantastically well. Yeah, someone. I mean, the. Uh, Someone in a way to play the coat of Susan role and need to yes. do it well because <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, well, not to fault Caroline for uh, as an actress, but she never really got the material to really um, capitalise on the yeah, idea. Yeah, it was very much an unearthly child, wasn't she? She yeah. was supposed to be slightly odd. In fact, Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who in particular, hasn't really done particularly well with. Younger companions because you've got Susan and you've got Adric, who hmm, I know is remembered fondly by some, but is really the Wesley Crusher of Doctor Who, mm. isn't he? I, I, I do, I do quite like him. I think he worked better with Tom Baker um, than I think he sort of suffered as part of the Peter Davison ensemble uh, cast. I've not seen any of the Tom Baker stories with Adric. But I, I, I did quite like that dynamic of a younger mm. companion. You um, you two have reminisced over the other um, Narnia link, which was the uh, they're in a forest in a box in a sitting room, as opposed to a wardrobe mm. in the spare room. What's yes. the other one in the books, Caleb? Yes. And like in Narnia, one of the children ventures out by themselves and gets caught up in... Some trouble. I'm surprised that Muffet didn't make more of the idea of the different time streams and yeah. the different speeds, because that's something that um, is in the um, not in the Witch in the Wardrobe, yeah. and that uh, he Lucy Muffet, returns 
and hasn't been has only been gone for. Do you, do you think that's a very almost a, a conscious decision, but almost a self conscious decision? Yeah. In the wake of a very wibbly wobbly, tiny whiny, heavy mm. series six, do you think you mm. wanted to do something that was more of a straight line adventure story? Yeah. And the trees whispering to each other. Yeah. Because um, uh, there's that. Um, thing in uh, of course some of the trees are alive not just alive but aware conscious in the Narnia books and you have uh, them not knowing whether the trees are good or on the white witch's side which is rather pleasingly evocative and sinister (laughs) (laughs) and the trees are slightly sinister at this point we qu- once we find out, once we twig, yes, <laughs> oh, dear me. pun highly intended. There, I assume. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, well she's finally woken up oh, well. and realised that know. her children are sitting. But once well, we remember the, the timelines are going at different speeds. Yeah, so they've only just mm. left from her point of view. They might have only stepped through the present a few seconds before. So large footprints now and the tower mm. I hadn't the first time around I hadn't noticed the difference in the size of the footprints the size of the footprints and they got until the doctor big. pointed them out yeah I'm still not convinced by the concept of trees growing into a building because people yeah. people will only go into buildings they won't go into anything else mm. I, I I feel if it was a bit more tree like in Design if it felt more organic, or yes, like a Rivendell sort of. Yeah, you could have quite easily had it sort of almost like extended treehouse. Is that a lion on the? It is. That's interesting. Which again is an Arnia link Aslan, but doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason to it. No, and this is you know the most well-behaved child who uh, wanders into a strange tower, keeps his back to the room, and then shuts the door behind him. Proper horror movie style. Yes, most people would just creep in, really, wouldn't you? But he continues to keep his back to what he no idea what's in the room, which happens to be a large tree man. <laughs> he is very effective. He is very I, good. I, do, I, I love the design of the I tree. I love the, the tree people. And the facial movements and things are very nicely handled as well. I don't know if they're handled with CGI or if they're animatronic, but. Uh, they're great mm. yeah it's a really good design there's something quite old and Celtic and mm. pagan and dark about that mm. it's the same sort of shot that you see on the dolls in the dollhouse in the earlier season uh, episodes oh, in uh, um, Night Terrors Night Terrors thank you yeah it's the same headshot as it turns mm. towards you the sinister <laughs> The sentient trees, of course, in some ways echo the Ents in, in Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. As does the idea of walking through a forest that is alive. <laughs> Something going stomp, stomp. Yeah. And I, we're back to Star Wars again, because it looks like the feet of the AT-AT walkers. <laughs> I did like um, the Doctor's line about there some, being some sentences I should just stay away from. 
Yes, it's a bit later on, isn't it? But that looks very much like a Star Wars. I did think that um, Bill Bailey was somewhat criminally underused. Yeah, oh, did, they didn't was, do yeah. nearly enough with him. This was going to be my next point. I mean, talking about having great ideas that you failed to capitalise on, yeah. along with the house and the dynamic of the family. You've got these three guys, Arabella Weir, Bill Bailey and the other guy. Who do you <laughs> recognise from something? I think he's been in some sitcoms and things here in the UK. And they're brilliant and they're funny and they got some they're given some fantastic lines and they look like Warhammer Space Marines. They do. They do look <laughs> really? like something out of forty K. It's quite impressive. And those are really good costumes. And then they just teleport out and they don't even meet the doctor. I know. In fact what they tie Bill Bailey to a post. Oh they're in it for two minutes. If that, oh. I think. And they just vanish. Well, they are at least given a, a nice link to uh, Peter Davison's yes. era story. Yeah, Andrew, 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 Yeah, and Major. Although, I think we're told that they're soldiers, aren't they? They're there as part of a military operation to harvest the trees. Yes, uh, yeah, he said yet, this is a military they're operation. All, they're all held to ransom by... A, a woman with a 1940s pistol. Yeah, which and no probably military training. is unlikely to get through the suits anyway that they're wearing. Absolutely. So unless she's callous enough to shoot them in the face, which you'd imagine she's probably not, even if she got the courage yeah. in terms of protecting her children to shoot them, she's very <laughs> unlikely to shoot a human, another human in the face. And, and one of these hardened soldiers just drops her weapon when faced with another woman and goes, mm. oh, goes all women's limb. Yeah, uh, this did seem... I mean, you had later on. You have the whole uh, weak and strong thing, mm. and it did seem, in some ways, just like Stephen Moffat's attempting to be a bit feminist. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a bit late for that, Moffat. Failing miserably <laughs> yes. at speaking as a woman. But, but yeah, uh, if you're trying to do that, I mean, you've got the whole crazy woman driver running gag yes. um, thing, and you've got Moffat's a. Uh, a bit psycho when their kids are threatened things. See also um, the Solurian story from yeah. Series 5. And um... some measure of his success in the women's lib stakes is uh, the fact that my wife Anna, you know, who's been on this podcast a couple, on a couple of occasions, who gave birth to our son a little under six weeks ago, when they got to the, ooh, mothers are strong, the only thing that's strong <laughs> enough to carry the trees... She looked, turned to me and went, oh, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, Anna. That, 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 that's where she just signed off. <laughs> that was it. Trying to uh, care I'll, about I'll the be, story. I'll, I'll be interested to see what Olivia has to say <laughs> about oh, this yes. episode. I'm sure she'll have strong words for yeah. Mr. Moffat. Um, he does, he did, the way that the lines are written do seem to imply all men automatically weak, all women automatically strong, even the teenage girl who's not... Yeah, because he said... Probably who, who might just be capable of having a child, but... Well, physically, yes. But um, he says it's a translation, doesn't he? He says that the idea is that it's it's male and female, weak and strong. Yeah. He actually says that is the... So he but only, is, only a woman who's given birth is mentally strong enough to carry a planet full of trees in her head. That doesn't make any more sense <laughs> the second time around. Yeah. <laughs> and, or, and also her um, uh, 
woman's strength being in being a strong mum to unite the family back together and uh, with the fa- father to uh, whole thing. I mean, it's in in some ways it's the kind of motherhood and apple pie thing that's yeah. uh, you kind of expect at Christmas <laughs> when Doctor Who is trying to be sentimental. Yeah, it's like it's a, I, I, happy I, families. I do think a lot of the drama devolves into cheap sentiment, especially as we yeah. go mm. on and we're flying through the vortex and we have to save our husband. This is hilarious. It's a military operation in which they yeah. all surrender their guns. I've, I've been complaining that this is unrealistic, and yes it is, but clearly they're just the three stooges. They're, yes. They're, they're, <laughs> they're there for are. comic relief, and that's fine. I don't mind. It works. It's and they funny. play this as that it's a really big thing on her part that she pulls a gun on them. Yes. In all fairness, you'd pull a gun on them and step forward and pick up one of their guns, which is more likely to shoot them. Yes. But this is where you, exactly. this is where we get get to realise that she's really not quite as ditzy and clueless as. Uh, mm. No, really. but also not quite. I, well, I would say not quite as clever as she could be. Like I said, I'd pick the other gun up. Mm, no, <laughs> she is creepy. Mm. Are we ever told why there's a king and a queen figure? Is there any significance to that, or is it just because it's quite a nice fantasy? Don't think we're ever told. Nice um, reference back to the end of the world and yes. the forest of Jean. And uh, of course, now we have the sonic screwdriver not working because it doesn't like wood, which is inconvenient when you're faced with, as he says, wooden aliens. Pretty, pretty Christmassy image there. Yes. I did feel that in the middle here, it does seem to get a bit static they seem mm. to spend quite a lot of time just standing around mm. uh, either in the tower or in the um, ship yeah. thing so this is why I think it would have been more interesting to have the forest invade the house so mm. you've got most you can have one of the children or maybe the mum exploring the forest having gone through the present this um, whole um, scene in the top of the tower with who who is suitable and who isn't is quite long. It is. Could have done this in a in a much quicker um, sort of action sequence of mm. you know. But can you imagine if you had Bill Bailey and Co. suddenly stumbling through the present, mm. you know, through the box into this family's living room <laughs> and trying to sort of find their way through a family Christmas? That could be fantastic, and you could have saved an awful lot on the budget. True. You're welcome, BBC. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a bit late now. Yeah. Here we are, the great use of Bill Bailey is time to a post. Oh, I know. Criminal. My husband's a pilot, therefore I can fly anything. <laughs> I also think it's that she doesn't, she's Sit not flying it, she's walking it <laughs> or driving it. Right. And I'm not so sure that the controls are anything like those oh, in a Lancaster bomber either. Standards on Androzani Major have plummeted since Peter Davison was there. <laughs> All that war with Sharon's Jack is yeah. taking its toll. <laughs> he'd, he'd make mincemeat of this oh, up. They would yeah. last um, two minutes. <laughs> Anyone 
I'm not sure that makes a huge amount of sense either, but fine, no. we'll go with it. I mean, I don't know a great deal about acid rain. It doesn't melt trees, though. No, no. I didn't think it did. But also, considering that this acid rain is supposed to melt the trees, it doesn't do very much damage to her when she runs out of the contraption into the building. Yes. She's got a few yeah. singed holes in her um, dressing gown, for all purposes. Um, but that's it, really, which doesn't seem to quite work. But... Yeah. No, that's a point we'll come to. And again, I, I've spoken already about this story losing its focus mm. part of the way through. Um, I don't think it helps that there is no villain. Mm. Particularly, I mean, even yes. even the three mm. military figures who are threatening when they first first appear are only threatening for about thirty seconds. Yeah. And once you realise the comic relief, they're great comic relief. I'm not complaining. And these um, guys aren't that threatening because you've got to the stage now where you've guessed that they're they they are victims and they want to escape. Yeah, yes. they want the doctor's help. They're not yeah. actually hurting anyone. Now, with the title being the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. Um, the widow paralleling the witch. I was expecting. Well, one theory I had was that um, the mother would uh, become possessed or something mm. and turn into a white witch type figure. And I think if something like that had happened, and she'd then taunted the children with the mm. um, fact that their father was mm. dead, then that could have been very effective. Yeah, and would have been. Um, much more in keeping with the fairy tale tradition because the sort of evil stepmother type idea. That's a really good idea, actually. Um, it would have been a lot more fairy tale and, and sort of linking back to the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe in the sense that the children mm-hmm. appear and they are immediately taken into some sort of royalty um, stature where yeah. she would have could have been taken in and taken to become, you know, the leader of this this world. Mm. Yes, I was I was a little bit disappointed that it's Madge who ends up saving the entire planet when again it, it, it's the concept of these two children mm. who are otherwise completely helpless and powerless and have no real place, haven't carved out their own places in the world mm. yet, are suddenly sort of crowned royalty by these mm. majestic, sort of dark, um, mysterious figures. That's really compelling. I think, yeah, I think you're right with what you said before, that it swaps too much between it being from the children's point of view and it being from Mags' point of view, Yeah. which means that you never fully develop either point of view. Do we ever find out why their voices are coming through the speakers on the platform? I think it's just platform? convenient. I don't think we do ever find out, do we? <laughs> it's um, uh, Oncom putting in an appearance again. Oh, uh, right. Omniversal communication, which is one of Moffat's favourite devices, but no, it's not explained. <laughs> But yeah, I've also just noticed that the tower they're in looks like a giant PlayStation Move controller. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like someone nicked really part of the um, the Eden Project yes. and stuck it on top of a, a tower. Especially when they start flying it. I thought my my theory for the um, trees why they wanted a person was that they needed uh, the. Uh, a person to be able to actually plan for them that they mm. weren't that they thought too slowly to yeah. be able to effectively yeah. act against the humans. Humanity is coming to chop down the trees; so they need a human to mm. keep pace. Yeah, because yeah, what does niggle at me is that this this tower thing that they are in is appears to be not 
affected by the acid rain. So in which case, if the forest could build something that wasn't affected by the yes, acid rain, why couldn't convenient. they build something that protected all the other trees, like a huge dome over the top of they, it that protected them all from the acid rain with no use of pesky humans? There's, there's, the, there's the other elephant in the room. Mm. If the souls of the trees can be transformed into light waves and beamed out into space to live forever, mm. why don't they just do that to start? Yeah. Also... The crown, ring, whatever, seems to burn the Doctor. It doesn't burn the boy, despite the fact the boy is weak. Yes. So does yeah, it burn the it's... Doctor because he's not human and weak? Oh, it's, it's, it's just there for quick, cheap drama, I think. Mm. I'm being terribly negative about this. I know, so am I, considering <laughs> I started off saying I liked it. I did, do still like it. I just, I've got a bit more, I've had a bit more time to focus on the, um... <laughs> it's Christmas, let's find nice things to say. Ooh, the tree design is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's very luckily one triangle that doesn't have well, none. A window, yeah. So, in terms of having a kind of ecological message, it's do you think it works? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even really considered it, so that's, that's probably the also a The ecological message appears to be acid rain and trees don't mix. Yeah. Um, Which they acid. probably don't, eventually. Because the, the acid rain never feels threatening, because none of them are outdoors. Mm. Everyone is inside by the time the rain starts. Well, I think that's probably the idea of having her run from the AT thing, I don't know what else to call it, into the tower. But, but they really don't make a moment of that. No. She's, we, we see the <laughs> thing collapse, and then she just sort of appears in the doorway. And she's got a couple of holes mm. in her coat, and that's it. Is it Although there's no villain, I thought, well, perhaps the actual acid rain downpour is going to take the place of a villain. This is going to be mm. the big mm. threat to everything. But, but like I said, it, it, it they're, doesn't they're seem to be bothering it. this sphere at all. No. Which is what makes me think, if they were, the forest is capable of building this sphere, why doesn't it just build lots of them around yes. the trees? One, one giant sphere and stick everything inside it. Just make the whole planet into one large um, Eden project <laughs> until the acid rain stops. Because they evidently seem capable of doing it. Well, Unless they, the idea that there isn't they, enough they life force to build something that big and the life force is only strong enough to build some tower-like thing. There's another cheap line. You're fired. Uh, we, we do have to give a shout-out to the... Uh, <laughs> To the walking platform that's really a really nice bit of design yes it, it, mm. again it's still very Star Wars for me really but you yeah. see there she is already and we know she's fine it's not really that and frightful there, and there's though. a joke and there's yeah and that's it and you get the melting light above the door in the moment mm. Mm. but yeah there's no sense of urgency no Yes, kids, don't open your presents early, or you might have an exciting adventure on an alien world. Yeah, it's that last line, something like this was bound to happen. Yeah. I love that. See, so see, she seems actually drawn to it, which of course the girl isn't. Well, no, the girl was. No, the girl was holding it and was mesmerised. Yeah, but, but only when she held it, when she took mm. it off him because he was suffering, she doesn't seem drawn to it until she's holding it. Maybe the more suited to it the you are, you the, are more, the... the more drawn to it you are. 
Yes. See, Susan pointing out the obvious. She's a very Susan-like <laughs> character. <laughs> but I do like that counterpoint that she's really quite... She's fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> Look for the doctor's expression there. I'm not quite sure what's happening now. One can. Because <laughs> how often does one imagine being a forest? I'm not quite sure, but. Ah, we've all done it. There's a bit in um, the sword in the stone, at least in some editions, because there's lots of different versions of it, um, uh, where you get something that's uh, a segment from a forest's point of view. And um, uh, also then from a... It's part of Merlin's um, education for the wart, the young King Arthur. And Uh, also... also, um, well, he goes through all the way from trees through to geological. Uh, so. They've also built something that's capable of flight. Why did they not just do it in the first place? It, it has rocket boosters on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so they could have all left. Yes. Five. Yes. It's, it's a flying it's golf ball. Strange. It looks a bit like a mechanoid. Or is that just my imagination? Looks like a golf ball to me. Yeah, that can always look like a And here they go oh. through the time vortex. Yeah. We haven't seen much actual... We haven't actually had much time in the vortex since uh, Moffat took over, have we? Because um, in the Russell T. Davis era, you used to get you know, a fair few shots of the TARDIS on various things flying through the vortex. This this had the potential, I thought, to be a good character beat for the Doctor, but again, it because it mostly involves the Doctor just talking earnestly, it doesn't quite have the impact it could do. Um, the idea that the Doctor doesn't have a home, whereas, or that it's too far off, and the idea of home and uh, pain and. It's a good moment, but perhaps not as quite as strong as it could have been. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like the scenes that preceded it, I think it's just a bit drawn out. Mm. Mm. In fact, I think this would have been would have made a 45 minute episode quite comfortably. Yeah. I mean, it feels quite padded. What do you think of Stephen Moffat's um, claim that um, any story can be told in forty-five minutes? And oh, I don't appara- know. Well, um, so why is this one an hour? Then? <laughs> uh, he said that um, uh, at the moment they're not planning any two-parters for series seven. Really? Um, only if 
uh, he said that um, only if the story naturally falls into two distinct halves because uh, um, yeah he said that uh, actually they looked at whether two-parters do any better or save them any money yeah. and they said that often they lose ratings and uh, audience appreciation and they don't actually save them any money when it comes to it right. so uh, we might not do any more two-parters hmm. sorry slightly off topic just because of the bit we've just watched um hmm. Just, it's just dawned on me that there are slightly funny views of marriage in, in some of these documents. Yeah. Because this is one where she marries him because he follows her home every day, which to me is slightly creepy. It's of course, going back to, um, to it, Donna... It, it reflects who, of worse course, on, on him than it does on her, I think. Well, yeah, because of course you then have Donna in one of the other Christmas episodes, remind me which one? Um, um, the Runaway Bride. The Runaway Bride, who begs her fiancé repeatedly to marry her yeah. and then he finally gives up mainly because he then wants to be eaten by a large spider but um, <laughs> but it's not a great view of marriage in all fairness well, did, did, did Madge here say that uh, she said yes because she didn't want to make a scene yes <laughs> so that's almost like passive aggressive bullying into mm. marriage I think if someone followed me home from work every day they'd take out a restraining order <laughs> well, I wouldn't marry him not to make a scene you know I, I do but I make sure you can't see me well yeah I know but I also you, you, <laughs> you are also the no hope of me marrying you Pete <laughs> Although the restraining order, I might be reconsidering now. <laughs> Glowing light. Oh. In all fairness, if you... much cheaper than a special effect? We'll just get someone to stand with an arc lamp. In thing is, though, front of if you have a pilot flying a, a large plane through the sky and you shine a bright light in his eyes, he's going to crash it. He's not going to guide him home. <laughs> he's going to crash the damn thing. There's something flying towards us. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's fly to this large blinding light that I can't see. Yeah. Uh, I suppose if you can see absolutely nothing else, then you just go, go with what you I can suppose, see. yeah, you... But he would have also... He wouldn't have landed the plane nicely. He would have crashed it. <laughs> which, it would have been some sort of crash landing that they probably would have come out of. Yeah, but... I was expecting a crash landing. I was a bit surprised at the <laughs> neatly parked... I, I wonder whether it's not supposed to... He's not supposed to be walking out of the plane that crash landed on the same night in, the, in a few minutes' time, because... He's not wearing a flight uniform. He's wearing his his formal uniform. That's the true. plane is in completely brand new condition, purely because it's probably actually a real reconditioned Lancaster I th- bomber. I think they put some CGI smoke and things coming out of one of the engines. But which which just gives the idea that he's landed it. Yeah. But it can't be the same plane he flies because he's not wearing the right thing, and it's not the same plane. So I wonder whether there's supposed to be a time discrepancy there. I think it might just be a continuity error, mm. more likely. Now, I was surprised um, that it hadn't been the Doctor's plan all along to reunite them with their father. Because mm. mm. I'd have thought that rather than just having, oh, here's a fun house with taps yeah. and stuff, with yeah. lemonade, whether he'd um, thought, oh, I can use my TARDIS to rescue. <laughs> well, because I figured that that's what. Is he allowed it, to do Even that? if it was subconsciously, that's what her wish was. Yeah. And that's what he came to respond to. But he seems to appear not knowing mm. that the husband is dead. He just appears because she is obviously in yeah. need. Um, but her wish isn't that. 
because she wouldn't actively wish that he came back to life, obviously. Yeah. But subconsciously, that may have been what her wish was based on. Mm. But apparently not, because he doesn't know, does he? And like you said, he doesn't strive to to do that. In fact, it happens on somewhat by chance, doesn't it? Mm. Did anyone? This this was nicely done. Yeah. Um, again, a little bit unnecessary because we all know the story. Um, but I, I, I did but, but I nice, did. nicely delivered and nicely written. And I think also, if you're a child watching this, I think this is needed. I think we are, yeah, as always, we are watching this as adults who are more than capable of of analysing this to within an inch of its life. <laughs> and of course, what it is, <laughs> it is a family program. There are kids of ages that these two children are who probably do need this bit. <laughs> this is a cheesy line. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else find the Doctor's explanation for what had happened to the trees slightly patronising? He starts to go through the science then goes, oh, oh yeah, the pretty, pretty lights went off into space. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need to know. Considering that she's the brave, strong one who actually sort of carried them all there in the first place, mm. I thought she deserved a proper explanation. That's two different places as well. That plane isn't landed in the same place as they are <laughs> no, filming. That's, that's completely different. It's field, probably in an it? airfield somewhere. And he's got his flight jacket on. Yeah, but that oh, but uniform that, but that's, is but that's, pristine. But that's not a flight uniform, is it? No. It's pristine, point. that. In, the fact that his scarf is completely, you know, bright white, and he is not covered in any amount of dirt, which, what? and that plane is pristine. I want to know what happens to the rest of the crew, because we were told when they were over the channel that one person's been badly injured mm. um, and yeah, might not make it back and yeah, there's at least one other guy on there and presumably they're made to sit and wait on the plane while they go Christmas dinner <laughs> a very short reunion in progress <laughs> stay stay. I say I, bleed, <laughs> I, say, I say Ginger I know, if, if you're still alive come New Year I'll send for an ambulance <laughs> <laughs> what terror algae <laughs> I'll just Stand tight. Yeah. Mm. Oh, the uh, attic is that where? No, it's not. It's in the spare room, isn't it? The wardrobe in the. Although in the magician's nephew, they discover. Um, uh, they get through into the wrong uh, room into Uncle Andrew's laboratory through the attic. Uh, that's not what I'm thinking of because I've not read The Magician's Nephew so that's really not The Attic is something something else haven't they no, not just the doctor, uh, the doctor in a Beagle Beagles type adventure would be oh fair. that would be good yeah. World War One flying ace yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> the doctor would be funny flying in Lancaster Bomber that'd be interesting <laughs> that really would be a crash landing probably in Amy's back garden <laughs> he gets his invitation every Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he always turns up late. <laughs> Except in the Christmas Invasion. Christmas Invasion, I think, is the one time he's actually stayed for Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. Does he? Because in The Runaway Bride, he, runs he leaves, yeah. And he invites yeah. Donna to come with him, and she stayed. Yeah. And then... Does he run away from Martha as well? Voyager World, Martha isn't in... Martha's the only companion not to have had a Christmas special. Oh, yeah. 
Poor old Martha. <laughs> no. There is a scene though where he's asked in, isn't he? By Martha? I can't remember actually. No, no, not Maybe for Christmas. Not. No, not just in general. No, <laughs> I like this. Yes, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice scene. Because the root idea with the wardrobe and with the police box is the everyday turning out to be extraordinary. Mm. Um, and that's the sort of connecting thing. That's why I think they should have had the portal as something different other than that glowing I, box. I think they should have that... just had the TARDIS. Imagine if you had a spare room and something had gone wrong with the TARDIS and instead of actually, when you open the door, instead of stepping into the control room, mm. you actually step into mm. this snowy pine forest. And the TARDIS has just become a bridge between the two worlds. Because I just think a large, a box that big that's glowing isn't particularly commonplace even at Christmas. Yeah. It's not subtle, is it? And I know that the police box isn't commonplace, but it's at least intriguing. Mm. (laughs) The water pistol. Although poor carol singers that go to Amy's door. Yes. And it's snowing at Christmas... And it's actually snow. Yeah, it's not, it's not ash or you know radioactive fallout from some supernova. Hey, now this was We're, a marvellous scene. Yeah, this is good. It is. Moffat doesn't seem to be able to leave the ponds alone. He seems to pick at them like some sword mm. where it heal. But uh, when when it was well written yeah. as this, I don't particularly mind. That's a hideous jumper. It is. Sorry. <laughs> It was probably a Christmas present from mm. an aunt. I'm worse than everyone's aunt. Mm-hmm. My dress sense is worse than everyone else's <laughs> dress sense. <laughs> you think for a professional model or whatever it is she does now. Yeah, that's true. So, although actually... Although having said that... Most, most high fashion is so hideous it could only be trendy. I was going to say, having said that, she actually does manage to carry off the hideous jumper quite well. Mm. Hey, Rory, fool of five seconds. Yeah, Yay. Rory, looking very daddish. He is, yeah. It's... I, was, I was left wondering, are, are the Poms trying for another child now that you know, having lost out on the childhood of Melody? Mm. Would it make sense for them to have another child? Now, it's now been announced that the Poms will be leaving in the coming yes. series. Yes, yeah. And it's something tragic and heartbreaking, apparently. This bit takes a long time. I like the happy tears bit, but this... Mm. He's done happy tears before, and I don't think they've made quite as much of a meal of it as they did. It just, it's a very long... Mm, come on, get on with it. Right, thank you. Am I a real boy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, um, I did like this. I, I did. It's nice, it's just... It's, it's I, quite drawn out. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the... One of the main weaknesses of the story is that it's got good ideas, but the pacing seems yeah, off. Yeah, the mm. editing could have been a bit yeah, tighter. Although, who, who knows, perhaps it's such a rough edit that the editing will be completely different. We'll have five minutes more of Bill Bailey. And, <laughs> no, uh, a, a completely different ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the alternative ending. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to this at home, you'll have no idea what's just happened. <laughs> 
quicker to, for Cordy to commentary that has no relation yes. to the transmitted yeah. version. Everyone else is version had Daleks in it. <laughs> in all Dal- fairness, though, it'll probably, it'll probably put our hits up if we're talking about an episode nobody's seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the director's cut. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I quite enjoyed it. I, 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 I did enjoy it. I think it could have been um, a lot more, but it was fun. We have just ripped it to shreds, as per usual. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel a little badly about that, because... It's I, I Christmas! Think, yeah, well, goodwill and cheer to all. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I, I do get the impression that I've been terribly negative throughout the commentary, and I, I think that probably gives a false impression. While it's not my favourite... Um, Doctor Who adventure and certainly my, my favourite Christmas special even it wasn't bad it was fine yeah, like I say, it, it, had some very my... nice, it had some very nice moments it might be my favourite Christmas special I think really? yeah which, which, I quite which would it. be your favourite? it's either got to be A Christmas Carol or The Christmas Invasion or Can I Have the Unquiet Dead <laughs> would, that, would that count because that takes place on Christmas Eve oh, no that's on New Year's Eve it, that is Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, probably, yeah. Christmas Eve with zombies and Dickens. What more? No, I quite like this one. I, I, I think the Christmas Invasion is still my favourite mm. Christmas special. Mm. I think it's gets the best balance between light and dark, uh, and it tells a good. It tells the best story. Mm. Um, yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I like most of. I, I think all of the, all of the Christmas specials have worked well for what they are for that slot for being mm. the perfect fun romp mm. to. They, they are deliberately event. more disposable than normal Doctor yeah. Who. Aren't they? Mm. I'm just glad that this the Christmas isn't as forced on this one. Yeah, you know true. that you don't just have because Moffat know, does seem to have a better sense of Christmas as, yeah. a, as a holiday, as a season. Because this actually has a sense of Christmas rather than just having a story which you throw typically Christmas items at. Mm. So the only real one in this, obviously, is the Christmas tree in the present. The rest of it is done through the storytelling that it's Christmas, not just yeah. because people are wearing Christmas hats or because there are Santas all over the place. It's, or, it's got a, it's got a more Christmassy know. sort of midwinter atmosphere, yeah. isn't it? Mm. You know, rather than just Christmas and, items. And the theme of it is uh, no one should be alone at Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Of togetherness. Dad is coming home for Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Well, can I just say, six years in, still no killer snowman. Is the, that your pitch for next year? Yeah. Well, the, I, yeah, this is, this is um, what I think. This, this is my Christmas special uh, idea that I'd do if I was given the Christmas special with the um, the first Christmas of a human colony on an ice planet somewhere, but then the winter starts fighting back as they, <laughs> they're trying to alter the atmosphere to make it habitable to humans, but then the snow starts fighting ah. back, killer snowmen and stuff. Like Waters of Mars, only with ice instead of water, um, mm. basically. I'm already getting tense. You know how much, much I dislike snow and ice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not uh, very good at standing the, up. The, the, really the other thing... Um, That's the egg the, the, the other idea, the one I think Moffat's more likely to go for, given his... Um, both of them so far have been riffing off Christmas... Mm-hmm. Um, established Christmassy stories, um, is... Um, uh, what, 
the It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Ah, and that's a good thought. Yeah. And I, I reckon that uh, if they want to do a third episode with Craig Owens, then It's mm. a Wonderful Life with Craig would be... That would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> that would be really good. Would be a brilliant good. Christmas yeah. special where um, Craig, through some timey-wimey, cracking time type thing, ends up seeing uh, Life if... He'd never been born, mm. and the ducks are helping him put uh, the timeline back on track. Oh. Uh, and you could bring back the Cybermen for it yeah. as well. Yeah, I'd like that. That's a good idea. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old buildings and lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and uh, a doctor in the. Uh, is it Cla- Clarence? Is it Clarence? Yes. Clarence, the, yeah, uh, Clarence the Angel. The Angel. <laughs> oh, he loves the. the Talking stars at the beginning. Yes, it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, best Christmas film ever. In fact, there was a, a question on our Christmas quiz at work today that was, what does Clarence get rewarded with at the end? And I only knew because I'd watched the film with you guys. <laughs> Every time a bell rings, an angel gets, gets his, his rings. rings. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thank you for listening to us witter about this. Um, let us know what you thought. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if you've got any other ideas of Christmas stories that they can rip off in a Christmas special, <laughs> die hard. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be uh, back in the new year at some point. Yeah. yeah. We'll take, taking a break for a week or two, I think. Yeah. Recuperating. But we'll, uh, there's lots of exciting things to talk about, such as the new series of Sherlock. And, yes. Uh, Merlin's the... just coming to the end of the series, so yes. uh, I think we've got plans to have a chat about that. Yeah. And I'll be at the SFX weekender in February with Alex Kingston and Sylvester <laughs> McCoy and Sophie Aldred, among yep. others. Marvellous. I'll see if I can stick a microphone in. I was going to say, are you recording from there, Pete? If they will let me, I will. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, uh, yes. So I think we've got quite a few bits planned, actually, throughout the beginning part of the year. So keep listening, in short. And a very Merry Christmas to all of you at home. Yes. And a Happy New Year. God bless us, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening! Oh.